The fact that they keep putting all this Christianity and Jesus said this, Jesus ain't talked to these niggas in eons. He don't talk to them. You think he talked to them? You think Jesus gonna waste his time to talk to them? Ron DeSantos? What about the other fool that left his damn chihuahua at the, in the damn house while he went to damn Mexico with his damn dude to celebrate a birthday party and the damn chihuahua had to learn how to cook and clean on his own? They don't care about nobody but themselves. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bituation Room podcast live stream thing show situation. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. I'm so happy to have you here, have you in the room, have you in your room, um, have you all the ways that I want you. Gross, gross. Why? Um, we've got a great show today. We're going to be talking about the Teamsters strike. Is it happening? We'll find out. Uh, there's been a little bit of a deal, potentially. What does that mean? Um, will the workers, uh, UPS workers, vote for this uh, most recent uh, contract and offer? Um, so journalist Teddy Ostroy is going to be joining me, who has an entire podcast dedicated to the UPS strike um, that everyone should be checking out. Um, as well as comedian Yamanika is here, and she's going to be joining me in a little bit. We're going to talk about more Trump legal stuff, this time involving a RICO case. Like, like, well, not involving the RICO case, involving all the things he did in Georgia. But potentially, in order to capture everybody, just that wide-ass net, it's going to be, you know, a RICO case. It's usually reserved for, like, mafia. So that's going to be interesting. Also, those fake electors, which, by the way, we've talked about on this show. We looked at video from Coffee County in Georgia of, uh, you know, lots of Karens just being like, we're not doing anything illegal um, as they took voter rolls home with them. Well, it turns out some of those fake electors are now being uh, held responsible, specifically this time in Michigan. So exciting stuff. Um, very exciting. There's also fake electors in Georgia, as I mentioned, Coffee County. So there's it's it's I don't know. I don't know how many walls there are to close in on this guy, but they close in in. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Florida up to uh, just more BS. Uh, this time, rewriting the history of slavery by uh, requiring that students are taught the benefits of enslaved people and the benefits that those people received. So we will get into that. Uh, but if you are here, make sure you're liking the stream, you're sharing the stream, let people know that you don't watch, you know, weird yoga videos on YouTube. Um, also, please write this podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just going to read one because I read the, them all, every single one. Um, Z55 said, recently I heard Francesca on another podcast. I wonder where. Noted her name, found this. What a delightful, charming, witty soul. I guess I'm now a serious fan person. Yes, you are. Hello, fan person. Welcome. We are a lot of fan people here. Um, and then we're going to close out the show, guys, if I didn't mention this earlier. In honor of Barbenheimer and uh, the two you know, box office hits, even though we support the workers who made all that possible, but I want to know, like, what's a toy from your childhood now that every now that studios are doing toys? What's a toy from your childhood you want to see a movie about? What's a war crime that you want to see a movie about? Maybe your childhood is the war crime you'd like to see a movie about. 
I let's hear the pitch. Uh, I'm going to ask Yamanika about it, and we'll uh, we we will discuss our thoughts. I have seen neither film, so I'm very excited for this under-informed discussion. No, um, and by the by, this show. It's all thanks to you. It's thanks to you, the listener. It's thanks to you, the patron. It's thanks to you, the member on YouTube, and you, the member on Twitch. This show would not be possible without your support. Truly not possible. It's completely independent. There are no ads, if you have not noticed. I do not run ads on these shows. Um, that is why I implore you to become a patron. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room is where you go to support. We have a goal on there. We're far from our goal, but hey, we're over 350 patrons, and that is so meaningful and uh, don't, don't, don't unsubscribe now, because then I would just have said a lie. So you, you know what I'm saying? Um, you get bonus content every single Friday. You get to listen back, watch back to the bonus bish where we get it. Oh, there's so many good stories for our bonus bish this week. Um, another Biden dog uh, is like, has been biting Secret Service agents because like they know what's up. Um, you also get access to the American Prospect uh, online. You get access, a deep discount if you want to become a subscriber to the American Prospect and get that magazine to, into your hot little hands every couple of weeks. Um, all that, discounts on merch, patreon.com slash room. If you do just want to support the show generally, we take tips, tbr-live on Venmo, tbr-live on Cash App. And with that... Very excited to get into what I'm bitching about, or maybe not bitching about, but this is What Are You Bitching About? So it turns out that uh, Representative, I can't believe, yes, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene might watch lefty media. That's right. So I do a show every Monday. Uh, I'm part of the show called The Damage Report on the TYT Network. Some of you know me from there. What's up, Dragon Squad? Been doing that for, I what, f how long has it been, guys? Three years now? Every single Monday? Most Mondays when I can make it? Um, and yesterday, John and I got this alert that Marjorie Taylor Greene had tweeted, I just watched The Damage Report for the first time. Okay, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I just watched The Damage Report for the first time. These two admitted atheists are attacking President Trump about his Christian faith while claiming to hold moral beliefs. And she goes on and on and on. She's describing the video that she saw. They only attacked Trump and Republicans and never defended any Democrat policies. I think she meant defended, went out. I don't know what she meant. But they complained about summer heat. We did. I mean, that. anyway, I'll get to that. Too bad they can't understand that the Earth's climate has been changing since God created the Earth. Oh, and if you're a white Trump supporter, they claim you're racist and that you need CRT to understand your whiteness and your racism. There, I watched it so you don't have to waste your time. And she tweeted a screenshot of me and John. Very unflattering screenshot. But um, she's not wrong. Like, like, for someone who misrepresents pretty much everything, she kind of got the gist of what we were talking about. I mean, the whole, like, God created the earth and that's why, you know... He wants us to perish in a, you know, fiery fossil fuel hell of our own making. That part, you know, let's leave aside. But, like, I did talk about racism and I did talk about, uh, what, what, you know, I can get into what I talked about. But I, let's, I want to show you a little snippet of the video that we talked about. This was John and I yesterday. And you can see, um, like, a couple things I just want to say. In order for her to have seen the part where we complained about the heat, that was the beginning of that video. 
the beginning, excuse me, of the live stream. What I'm trying to explain to you, if you don't know how this works, is she was tuning in live, people. That's what that's what was happening. Because what happens on YouTube, you clip up the stuff, you get where you trim the banter. She was there for the banter. So she was there for the banter and she was there for two stories. We talked about Trump's fake religiosity and we talked about racism in the MAGA base and how they think that so-called anti-white racism is bigger than anti-black racism. Fun, because that's not a thing. So she watched at least 20 minutes of the damage report and watched us and like didn't really make fun of us, just kind of gave free advertising in this tweet. But it's very funny because you should see the type of like what we actually got into. So let me just play a little, just a little snippet of this and I'll fast forward obviously through John's part because boring, you know what I'm saying? And just get to mine. My question is, how has your faith grown since you decided in 2015 to run for president? And who has mentored you in your faith journey? Great question. Such a great question. You know, I've seen so much heartache and turmoil. I was a developer and I did other things. And, you know, I had a wonderful, I had a wonderful life before all this stuff. I didn't know what a grand jury was. I didn't know what a subpoena. What is a subpoena? I didn't know what a grand jury was. I didn't know what the question was. What am I supposed to be saying? Where am I? What year is it? Uh, he was asked a question there by a woman who I'm sure is lovely. And she seems very religious. And she's very interested in the religion of the candidate that she's going to support. So she wants to know about his personal faith journey. And so obviously, he starts about talking about the fact that he developed real estate and he gets sued a lot. Um, now, look, a lot of people are throwing these clips out there and saying he doesn't answer the question which I don't think is 100% true. I think it's 99% true. <laughs> he touches on what could almost be an answer. So let's give him the very limited credit that perhaps he has earned, then we'll make fun of him, but first a little bit more. I had a wonderful life. I'm so glad they were asked me the other day a little different question. Are you glad you did it? Was so you had a, a Oh God, a little different question. It was a big different question. Now I'm being thrown an ad. Um, this is amazing. I love I love um, ads on these videos. I'm trying to rewatch support TYT y'all. Um, but okay, so he didn't answer the question. If you want, he's like a little different answer. Let's go to what uh, this incredible intrepid commentator had to say. He's not even able to fake being a religious person. That I think is the most stunning part of this non-answer is that after all these years and after being given so much leeway by the evangelical right, Donald Trump still has not even come up with a line, just a thing to say about his faith, a thing to say about religion and his own Christian faith probably, even if he doesn't believe it, even if he's never read the Bible, like even if he doesn't know how to pronounce pronounce Franklin Graham's name correctly. Sorry, that's Graham. Franklin Graham. It is Graham. <laughs> no, he's an idiot. He doesn't know. No, he's an idiot. He said, so he he's like, oh, I love Franklin Graham. Like, oh my God, everyone knows it's Graham. So that's what, that is what Marjorie Green was watching. And then she further, and I gave a little, I mean, I don't know if I'm the one to give this lesson, but there was this like anti-white racism question. Do you think racism is a bigger problem against white people and then against black people? And I kind of was like, first of all, not possible to have racism against white people because the whole construct of race created by white people, created by white supremacy. So you can be bigoted, you can be discriminatory, you can have, you know, whatever, call white people names. 
Racism is a structure of power developed over time by white people uh, and enacted, enabled through, you know, systems like slavery. So you and Jim Crow and whatnot. So like, that's not possible. So she might've watched all that. Have we flipped Marjorie Green, people? Um, anyway, there she is claiming that she watched it for the first time. And my God, I, I don't know, y'all. I think she might. I think she might have been watching it multiple times because here's the thing. We talk about Marjorie a lot on that show. And I feel like she has, you know, she's got Google alerts on her name. She sees her name. She's like, I'm not in the thumbnail. What's going on? I got to watch, you know, or like I'm watching anyway because I usually hate watch it. But then I like it. And, you know, and so it's like, well, three months ago when I started hate watching, it was just because it had my name. In it, and now I just kind of like it because John's cute, you know, and uh, that brown one. She's all right. I think she's is she Chinese? So that's uh, that is my hope and uh, prayer for Marjorie Green. Um, of all her hateful, disgusting tweets, that one was pretty fine. So we'll see, guys. Does she keep on tuning in? And I cannot wait for her to utter the phrase "the bituation room" or tweet it out and spell it wrong or spell it right. Marge, come on the show. Let's have a debate, bruh. Debate me. We'll talk about whiteness. Let's do it. We'll talk about whiteness. Let's talk about racism. Come on the show. My room is air conditioned. It's actually really hot. Anyway, with that, let me bring in for the rest of the show, um, someone who I've been an admirer of uh, online, um, kind of just some of the, the funniest stuff out there, especially just like random live streams on Instagram, uh, if that's what you crave. I do. Um, Stand-up comedian, actor, WGA award-winning writer. You've seen her on Comedy Central as Maya on Life and Beth, Yamanika Saunders. Yamanika, hi. Hey, hey, Francesca. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, it's, yeah, I've wanted you to come on the show for a long time. And we usually bitch about something. That was what I was bitching about. Mm -hmm. well, I'm not really mad at this person. Marjorie, Marjorie. I mean, she needs to be watching anything called the damage report because she's damaged. <laughs> so why wouldn't yeah. she watch it? <laughs> it's true. She's like, is this better than therapy? Mm. Um, yeah, Monica, what are you bitching about on this Tuesday in July? There's a couple of things I want to bitch about, but I, I wanted just to recap a little bit. Donald Trump, if anybody thinks that that man is a Christian, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Then he pushed his last his ex-wife down the flight of stairs and, and then buried her in the back of his golf court. Like, come on, bro. Right. By the yeah, seventh hole. Yeah. yeah. No, it's... I was convinced that he was actually the Antichrist because he represents everything that they said the Antichrist was. So I was checking to make sure he wasn't giving out the mark of the beast. Totally. Well, what I didn't realize about the so-called devil is that apparently if you check all the box of the devil, you become the savior. <laughs> it's like a little reverse cycle. Like, I don't know where it says in the Bible that that's it, the loophole. It, listen, I, I'm not going to act like I'm not a Christian. I am. Do I follow uh, white Jesus and, and white people? And whatever they got? Not really. You understand? But do I believe that there's God, there's a higher power, there's somebody I pray to and I communicate with? I'm doing the best I can as a human being. And yes, I do. So um, I really get embarrassed when these people open their mouths about Christianity because they are not representative at all 
of any of the tenements that Christianity is uh, based on. Humility, love, um, appreciation, incorporation of everyone, um, and uh, you know, uh, sacrificing yourself to serve others. So none of them are Christians. Even that woman with the dry hair that stood up and asked me the question, she don't know what's going on. Um, so, and you really can tell a Christian by like how their skin look, their hair and all kinds of stuff. That woman's skin looked a mess. Um, <laughs> like, like some people believe in the prosperity mm -hmm. gospel. You believe in like the conditioning gospel. Yeah, like <laughs> your hair is very dry, very dry. You know, you know, it's funny about that tweet too. Cause she was like, they're self, you know, self-described atheist. John said he was an atheist. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I go around saying I'm an atheist. I definitely don't believe in god i believe in a, a higher power so i guess was that an agnostic you know whatever the uni yeah. whatever that basic bitch universe shit is you know my thing is this um i definitely uh i would not be doing my, uh, myself a service as a christian if i did not you know promote god and promote christianity but i also understand why people don't want to subscribe to the, whatever god they serve it because whatever god they serve in is not the god that that anybody would want to serve. They don't represent God well. They don't, um, uh, it, it, God is supposed to be doing most of the work. You're just supposed to be a representative of love, compassion, and uh, humility so that people can see God through you and be um, willing to uh, have a conversation or open themselves up to God. So a lot of these people are standing in a way as a, a roadblock and it's unfortunate. So I always tell yeah. people, you know, really talk about your spirituality, your connection to God for yourself. Do not look at other people as a representation because we are all human and we're making mega mistakes every step of the way. And that should not be a deterrent for you uh, seeking a higher power and having a connection with God because so many people that represent him don't know what the fuck they doing. See, that is a perfect answer that Trump should have given. Like, oh, uh, well, my relationship to God. I mean, like, first of all, that is a great answer, but also it's, he could just be like, well, that's a personal thing. He said that before when he's been asked about his religion. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's personal. Mm -hmm. But he forgets that he can always play the personal card. He could, you know, because he's been asked straight up, like, what do you like better, the New Testament or the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. This dude, the look in his face was like, test to who? Right. What? Test right, who? right. Is that a legal thing? Is that another lawsuit coming down my way? Yeah. You know? We used to do this thing when we were kids where we would dare each other to go into the dark bathroom and say bloody mary three times and just flip the lights on and see whatever i would implore him or anybody who wants to ask me about his christianity if he can go into a dark bathroom say jesus three times flip the lights on and not completely disappear so you know it's like those are the kind of things can you say jesus christ can you mm. you know that he died there are a um there are admissions that people must make when when they're christians you believe that jesus christ died on the cross for your sins you believe that he is the only way to heaven those are things that need to be said out of his mouth now whether other people believe that or not is is one thing but if he is a christian under uh the auspices of christianity those are the things that he knows he needs to communicate to everybody who is uh, asking? I don't even think he. I don't think he knows. I feel like he's like Jesus Christ, great guy, really wonderful guy. He came to Mar a Lago once, like that. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. Right. He is. I showed him my documents. It's asinine to think that he has any hold on Christianity. And to be honest with you, a lot of these conservative, conservative, white Christians, they are only participating in Christianity because they have. Um, 
conditioned everyone to believe that Christianity really supports a lot of the nonsense that they promote and keeps them in a certain level of power. If at any point in time they had to really uh, subscribe to the things that Christianity and the tenements that Christianity really stand for, they would not uh, be a part of it. Yeah, they were like, oh, clothe the sick and feed the poor? Mm -hmm. Gross. Mm -hmm. um, that would mean we'd have to actually welcome migrants and refugees into this country instead of turning them away. Um, but anyway, Yamanika, I'm gonna I'm gonna count that as what you were bitching about. Mm -hmm. But I know there might have been more because I, I just I wanna be mindful of time yep, as this is a live show. But let's get into it. There's a lot of things happened this week, but two major ones in my book. This is the week where. Okay, so keeping with the Trump theme, I apologize. Uh, but there's a lot. There's a lot that's coming down. Yeah, and a lot of this has been punted. We we now know um, that specifically the documents case will be punted to spring. Um, the January 6th charges, the indictment may be coming down any moment. We don't know. Jack Smith is on the case. Um, but I'm, I'm focused on two other cases, and that is this case in Georgia where Donald Trump really just wanted like 11,280 votes or whatever it was. He just needed those one, like specific votes. Mm -hmm. I just love the idea that like Rudy like wrote that on a napkin and he was like, you know, repeated it to, you know, uh, the Brad Raffensperger at the time. Um, and so this is all about what he did in Georgia and who he sort of employed mm -hmm. or uh, who he empowered to try and steal the election in Georgia, which once again, historic defeat for Republicans in Georgia mm -hmm. in both, well, I mean, 2020 and then most recently in 2022. So, um, but let's, so the, the prosecutor is um, uh, Fannie Willis. She's the Fulton County district attorney. Um, sorry, district attorney. And she actually has a history of doing a lot of RICO cases and uh, and like racketeering specifically, the, this racketeering RICO case. Um, and the statute in Georgia requires prosecutors to show an, a, the existence of an enterprise mm -hmm. and a pattern of racketeering activity that is predicated on at least two qualifying crimes. In the Trump investigation, the Fulton County District Attorney has evidence to pursue racketeering indictment predicated on statutes related to influencing witnesses, and computer trespass. And that computer trespass is what I was referencing at the beginning of the show, which is that Coffee County Karen coming in and just being like, oh, we're just, you know, she was like on her phone, like playing phone games while they just like copied a bunch of voter rolls and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like the actual shit, the shit that like Fox News was obsessed with, like, why did that box move? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like no, no, we, there's literal evidence that like Trump stooges just took and copied a bunch of voter information. But anyway, so that this is all because of this grand jury that I think we remember the four woman, the, the, the horsey four woman um, in Atlanta heard evidence for roughly seven months recommending charges for more than a dozen people, including the former president himself. And that four woman, four women strongly suggested in interviews, um, though Fannie Willis will have to seek indictments from a regular grand jury, which is interesting. So it's not this special grand jury, a different grand jury. That new grand jury is being seated on was seated on the, the 11th of July and the selection process is underway. Mm -hmm. So what is up? Why Rico? 
So let's just get a little background. This is from The Drift. It's like a very deep dive about Rico. Um, Rico has advantages for prosecutors. You don't just get to do more. You don't just do it to get more time, says Steve Sato, a criminal defense lawyer in Atlanta and Rico expert who represented the rapper Gunna in the YSL case. The YSL case, by the way, uh, YSL stands for Young Slime Life, which I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. But apparently Young Slime Life uh, was effectively like a criminal street gang um, and run by run by the rapper Gunna and who else is in that crew? I forgot. But anyway, yeah. So anyway, so 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 that's let's go back to where I was. You do it because it allows you to introduce more evidence. Prosecutors generally can't bring up the criminal history of a defendant as proof they're likely to have done the thing they're currently being accused of. But Rico's predicate co component requires the introduction of past criminal acts. Predicates can encompass encompass offenses for which someone was already locked up or even incredibly ones of which they were acquitted indictments might include acts committed by in any jurisdiction plus state crimes that cannot otherwise be federal offenses upping the stakes for the defendants and even bypassing stricter state rules on prosecutions so that's huge and for example the other people who've been recode um labor unions boo tobacco companies ms-13 abortion protesters good mm -hmm. hell's angels corrupt politicians white collar criminals r kelly that makes sense fifa which is incredible the um nexium that wasn't that that like fucking weird ass cult mm -hmm. um and then major league baseball which is incredible and fanny willis um had had led the case against atlanta teachers is currently prosecuting ysl uh, and maybe rico's number one fan uh, in March, CNN reported she was considering using the statute against Trump. As of this writing, there are whispers that RICO may be deployed against the protesters opposing a police training facility known as Cop City in Atlanta as well. So, good and bad. Don't, going after protesters for Cop City, bad. Mm -hmm. Trump, good. YS, Young Slime Life, not really sure. Apparently, they, there was gang activity, robbery, attempted murder, but, you know. No, you know, in situations like that, they really, the you know, I'm not in support of any kind of gang activity and all this other nonsense. I think it breaks down the community in so many ways. Um, most certainly, the people that are uh, putting these, these guys up on charges, these young, quote unquote, thugs, don't care about them dismantling or disrupting their own communities. It is only when the time comes that they are becoming uh, so advanced to become a problem, right? That they are right. going to start becoming independent financially of their of their own means and have their own level of leadership, which we know is not something that especially conservative Republicans want uh, people of color to have access to. Um, and I don't support these young guys either because I think, again, it's it, I don't support any type of criminal criminal activity. But you know, you're not with the young slime life. No, family. I'm not with it. No, I don't even when you didn't know who it was, I didn't know who it was either. Like I turned them it's, down. Sort of, it's gonna and young thug. Yeah. Speaking of thug, right. literally young thug. But it's interesting that like young slime life, arguably like Trump, one of the slimier politicians, mm -hmm. also sort of running a criminal organization. That that Fannie Willis was like, this is too much to go after. Let's just Rico it. Well, there's it's a whole organization. It's a whole operation going on here yeah. from the white house to these electors to, you know, uh, to whomever else that is involved in Georgia. So well, that's coming down. Even there is a problem, right? Because like, if you have somebody who's president of the United States telling you that they didn't know who, what a grand jury was, where what's happening here? The, the, well, they, yeah, they, 
they can't be accused. They can't be convicted if they didn't know what it was. Well, it means that he stands on what what they're, you know, and I get a lot of flack for talking about this because people always go, oh, we always talk about white people, white people. You know, it is this sort of like the hierarchy, right? This power structure that is happening here that they don't want to have dismantled. The fact that uh, when Donald Trump ran for president, the audacity that he even had the uh, uh, wherewithal to try to run for president um, with zero experience, probably didn't even run for president of any class that he was in, um, and has no idea, you know, the, probably the different departments of government and judicial systems. The fact that he became president is is problematic and is what is, you know, as a white male with money, this is what it afforded him. Right. To And so you have to dismantle that whole entire system because he's being held up not just by himself, by a whole community. I mean, that's why, you know, I think in this moment of so many criminal cases coming at him, you really like he was like, you know, uh, uh, a drunk chimpanzee let loose inside of our democracy and banging on all the like the metal piping and the inner working. He was like a you know, it's like a, it's like a, a rat eating out like the the insulation of a yeah. home. Like well, that's what the he Muppet, the Muppet on the Muppet show with the bad hair and the teeth. And yeah, the bad hair. Talking about animal. You mean animal? animal. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, animal loves his hair like that. It's great. Um, he's definitely animal. He's just like, yeah, animal does what animal wants. Yeah. And now you're seeing like, oh, attorney generals in Georgia. Like, you know, uh, people who are involved in like special prosecutors at the FBI. Like actual career politicians people who worked hard who studied who went to law school who were elected who have like careers be like yeah so here's the thing about just doing whatever the f you want you can't and i'm gonna get you on a, a million like all of these crimes so it's at least while our politicians you're totally right our politicians like you know Mm-hmm. like fell over like you know the inflatable guys outside of an auto you know a, a car sales <laughs> dealership yeah like the justice system seems to be sort of picking up the slack we will see what happens but it seems like they're picking up the slack and i want to go to michigan because there's another person involved which is attorney general um nestle what is her first name god damn it um but she's bringing counts against 16 people who were involved in the fake electors plot in that state. If you guys remember, the fake electors are basically like, you know, MAGA deputized stooges to be like, so you guys are going to be the real electors sending, um, you know, that are going to be reporting your state's count, you know, presidential count. Like, what? Okay, what? Alternate slate of electors. This is what Mike Pence refused to announce in front of, uh, in front of Congress. Um, and refused to accept these alternate slate of electors. So Ms. Nessel brought the same eight counts against all 16 defendants. Um, the offenses include conspiracy to commit forgery, since the defendants are accused of signing documents stating they were qualified electors, which they were not, publishing forged documents by circulating the materials to federal and state authorities. And on paper, the penalties for the offenses range from five to 14 years, but sentencing in this case would presumably be lower than that maximum. Just get hit them with it all. So... Remember how two years ago we were like, wait, are these people just going to get off with being like, mm-hmm. oh, I have a badge. This is elector. Oops. Mm-hmm. Um, and turns out, no, at least not in the state of Michigan or Georgia. 
I mean, um, you can't blame yeah. them. They get to do whatever they want because, I mean, I don't blame these people because they've been living under the system for a long time. I'm surprised they tried to cover it up as much as they as they have. When you live in this country as a person of color, you know you got to cross your T's and dot your I's. It's always going to be asking you what's happening. These people are just like, yeah, just do whatever makes them comfortable, and then we're going to do whatever we want. This is the system that we have uh, been brought into. Absolutely. They, they are going to plead the, I didn't know that I couldn't do that officer. Uh, and they can't do that. Turns out that's not a defense. Um, but let's switch gears. Uh, cause this is indefensible. Um, the Florida education board has decided that, uh, they're going to stop woke in the schools and stopping woke means stopping learning about history. And in fact, they're going to rewrite history and get it very, very wrong. So what they are suggesting, uh, in middle school, um, is a new curriculum, instruction for both middle school and high school about um, that things to do with slavery and then resistance to slavery. So specifically in terms of uh, resistance to, you know, uh, racial violence. In a couple of instances of massacres, including the 1921 bombing of Black Wall Street, which we all remember, uh, one of the last surviving uh, people who was in that bomb in the Tulsa massacre was denied reparations recently, denied money. Um, and the 1920 uh, Okoe massacre must include acts of violence perpetrated by African-Americans. In other words, these were white-led mobs and victims were black, but because there might have been some kind of uh, defense or uh, another act of violence, we got to talk about that. So that's let's put that aside. The real thing is middle schoolers must now learn that, quote, how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Yeah, of course. They learn how to survive ass whippings. I mean, the reality is these people are absolutely insane. Um, the conversation around race gets so exhausting here in this country because imagine you were a group of people that got that completely took over another group of people, did not treat them well, uh, were extremely violent to them, disserviced them as much as possible, and you only use them to your convenience. You would never want that group of people to ever have any type of independence or power outside of you for fear of reprisal. So that's what we've been running away from since the dawn of time. White people scared, black people gonna turn around and do the same thing that they have done to them. Unfortunately, for my people, we're not like that. Black people are not like that. We're just trying to get some some level of uh, not even equity. We're just trying to get a little piece of the pie. And um, Florida is one of the places I hate to say it because I have a lot of friends there. I can't stand Florida. I hate Florida. <laughs> and this is exactly why they got alligators running around trying to rip their ass apart. Only in Florida can you see fucking alligators and damn crocodiles at the same damn time because they tired of them. They tired. Yeah, alligators are base. They're woke as fuck. Uh, <laughs> they're like, we we know what's up. No, it's it's very, it's it's low. I mean, look, it's low-lying ground. Climate change is coming um, very soon. Uh, and yes, I, I believe in resettling only the woke people in Florida. Uh, only people who are interested in real American history and not whatever the hell this is. You know, there's a lot to say. Uh, Ron DeSantis defended these remarks. I want to just play it. Did. These niggas is crazy. <laughs> all, all of them is nuts. 
And then the thing about it is they don't have no formal education half of them. They just be saying whatever the fuck they want. They are completely weird. This is why I said we don't need to, when, when we keep asking people who are mentally disturbed, people who have been resting on their laurels and have been able to coast through life on mediocrity, when we ask them to give us some type of assistance, that also makes us mentally insane. You have mm-hmm. to independently create your own environment where you are supporting your own self and not going to them and asking yeah. them the fact that they are controlling anything at all. And I'm a Christian. I'm telling you the fact that they keep putting all this Christianity and Jesus said, this, Jesus ain't talked to these niggas in eons. He don't talk to them. <laughs> you think he talked to them? You think Jesus gonna waste his time to talk to them? Ron DeSantos? What about the other fool that left his damn chihuahua at the, in the damn house while he went to damn Mexico with his damn dude to celebrate a birthday party and the damn chihuahua had to learn how to cook and clean on his own? They don't care about nobody but themselves. They're fools. Uh, you said it so well. It It, it is... It's truly disturbing. Yeah, Monica, before we move on, I just want to, like, mention that the people who he entrusted to rewrite history in the Florida Education Board did it also poorly. So this is from Mother Jones, which mentions that several of the historic figures that supposedly went on to use their skills learned as enslaved people, including blacksmiths, shoemakers, fishing, shipping industry workers, tailors, uh, ironically enough, teachers. But it appears, according to this article, that the Florida educators didn't do their homework. As critics were quick to note, many of the examples listed in the statement were never slaves, or they launched their respective professions only after Mm -hmm. gaining their freedom. What did I tell you? What did I say? You can't get it from them. Oh, yeah, black people were slaves, and that's how Nike came about. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. That's why we got the Gordon Fisherman now, because everybody was slaves. Like, all of these industries that they also try to keep black people out of, it's absolutely insane. When they talk, it's like, for me, when we used to watch the Peanuts, and the teacher was saying something, it'd be wing-wong, wing-wong, wing-wong. Nobody knew what the hell she was talking about. That's what I was saying to them. I can't even tell you what Margie Taylor Green, if, if they didn't keep saying her name so much, I would just completely ignore this woman. These people need to be ignored at all costs. But yeah. again, we have to be, uh, we have to understand the Democrats, we love to run around very quiet. Democrats also got their shit with them too, understand? But we also like to be very passive in certain things. We just let these people run amok with their guns, their nonsense, their faith, and just completely running amok, doing whatever they want. And they are tearing down this country limb by limb. That's why they they go to Mars or wherever the hell they're going now to figure out if they can breathe on Saturn because they got to mess America up big time. (laughs) Just try. Just go to Saturn and try to breathe the air. Go, Elon. We'll be right behind you. People are going down to the... We're becoming mermaids. We want to go to the sea. We want to get out of here. Find some freedom in the sea. Get some gills going. Honestly, honestly, just do it. Get your Kevin Costner on already. Um, Yeah, no, it's all trash. I'm excited and scared for the generation in 20 years that is like, you know, oh, actually, it's cool to be enslaved. You get all the benefits because there's all the skills. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, we we need we need Ronda Santos to be get eaten by an alligator now yeah. and go. Um, but Yam, you're on strike. Is am I correct? Are you currently striking as part of WGA? Honey, uh, uh, striking white men against white men and they patriarchy. <laughs> they are, they got their hands in everything, honey. I <laughs> haven't really touched ice cream. Let me shout out to Ben and Jerry who have done so much. Two white men who have, white men who understand flavoring. 
are not racist at all. Ben and Jerry have done so much for all kinds of different communities. Shout out to those white men just making natural products, nice, sweet mm -hmm. ice cream. Now Mac I want ice girl. cream. Come on. How do we get on Ben and Jerry's? Wait, so the, I like how I was like, are you on strike? Mm -hmm. And you're like, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Because which I, is when I found out about Ben and Jerry's missions during, um, I didn't really know much about them. I found out a lot about them during the pandemic. I, yeah. I will applaud those white men for doing what they're doing. Okay. But am <laughs> I on strike? Yes, I'm on strike against every white man except for Ben and damn Jerry. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, okay. Hold that thought because uh, we have a man joining us. Um, and he has been, has been following the striking workers at UPS, the Teamsters, mm. who uh, just today, and there's some very exciting up, updates about their contract and whether or not it's going through, um, but we're talking about um, 300,000 workers, 6% mm -hmm. of the GDP that moves through UPS, uh, and with us, the host of a podcast dedicated to the Teamsters and, and UPS and what's going on right now called Upsurge, um, he is that host. And he's a contributor to the Real News Network, and his work has been featured in The Nation and The New Republic. Please welcome Teddy Ostro. Hey, y'all. Hey, How's Teddy. it going? Hi. Thanks for having me. Solidarity to all the workers yeah. out there. My, my, uncle, nice. my uncle's a striking actor right now. Mm -hmm. um, solidarity to uh, everybody out there Thank right you. now. Awesome. Um, Teddy, I wanted to ask you, what's, what is the latest right now with UPS? I know just as we were like going live, there's a tentative uh, deal on a new contract. Um, what are you hearing? Right. Well, it's been a whirlwind of a day. I took a train down to Baltimore from uh, my home of Brooklyn uh, for a live stream specifically focused on what's going on. And I get mm -hmm. a, and I get a press release saying, uh, there's a TA, there's a tentative agreement. This is the largest private sector bargaining agreement in the United States. And we have uh, now a TA, we don't have the language, but right now it looks like there's a lot of significant gains. We don't know all the details and I'm getting a whirlwind of different reactions right now. But right, okay. we're looking at, uh, you know, 340,000 workers, over half of them are part-time package handlers, warehouse workers. Um, the other half are these delivery drivers, the people that you and I interact with every day. They're dealing with a ton of different issues. Um, contract talks broke down about three weeks ago. Um, and the, over the past three weeks, what have we seen? We've seen a ramping up of the contract campaign, practice pickets, rallies, distributing information, trainings, all this stuff to make a strike threat credible. Right. Mm, that would be one of testing, as Jane McAlevey would say. Absolutely. Yeah. As we've talked about. So basically kind of doing all this groundwork. I just want to stop you because since the strike talks broke down, uh, the union's been like, OK, we're going to organize. We're going to get to work even before us an actual strike. Yeah. I mean, this has actually been a year. This has been a year of a contract campaign. This is not really common. The last time what we're looking at right now is is truly historic moment for the Teamsters Union, for the labor movement in general, for the broader, you know, quote unquote, economy and logistics. Um, and just to take one piece of that for the Teamsters, for the labor movement, they've been organizing this for a year. Um, mm. August last year is when they started, which I believe was the 25th anniversary of the last time UPSers went on strike, 185,000 of them in 1997. But they've been preparing. This is this is uh, something that is different. That is uh, the result also of electing a new, more aggressive leadership in the union. Um, and this is happening in 
different unions around the country as well. We're seeing more confrontation with corporations and they've prepared. They are uh, distributing information. They're getting everybody mobilized, excited, raising expectations. That's mm-hmm. really key and important. And we're seeing that. So the past three weeks, they just ramped it up. You know, we saw all these uh, fun uh, videos all around, from all around the country, workers uh, basically practicing the picket line. It's pretty amazing to see just like how many people have been organized. Um, and it clearly worked. Like, you know, workers, the most important thing on the tool belt of a worker is the strike, right? The threat yeah. of a strike. And they they really brandished that. And they uh, clearly have gotten at least some of the goods. We don't have all the language. But the key things that were basically hanging up these negotiations were the wages for part-timers. Um, right. And these are 60% of the workforce. Some of these folks are make 16, 20 an hour before that, before the COLA increase, it was 15, 50 poverty wages. You make these are people in poverty. Um, and it looks like, you know, there are significant increases the people I'm talking to are saying, you know, uh, this is incredible. Other folks are saying this is not good enough. Um, but really okay. we don't have the, all the information and we're going to see, you know, are they going to vote this down? Just to emphasize, this is a TA, so this isn't set in stone yet. There's, about, you know, we're gonna have to wait about three weeks till late August to know whether this is the contract. And has that? Do you have any understanding about whether they've leveled the playing field in terms of the wages for part-time? Like, are they being adequately compensated now? Are the people who I know were getting, we're doing the same work, but then paying, getting paid a lot less? Right. Has that changed at all in this contract? Right. Well, there's uh, just to go over some of the major issues. There's a, there's a bunch of them going on. The, what we were just talking about is like one of the lingering ones. Uh, contract talks broke down July 5th. That's what we were talking about. Now three weeks of like basically organizing um, to prove, you know, we're ready or they're ready. Uh, so they specifically part timers, they were bumped up to a base pay of $21. And then there's a general wage increase totaling around $750 some catch-up raises, as it's called, basically for part-timers who've been there for a very, very long time. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is a terrible wage chaos uh, going on at UPS. So trying to compensate people who've held out, right? Um, Right. So it looks like, you know, it depends on who you ask, but it looks like there has been a significant bump there. What you were talking about with like tiered wages and stuff, this is impacting like tons of workplaces all over, you know, the country. UAW, you know, like Kellogg's, uh, UPS is no different. Basically, unequal work for equal, um, equal work for unequal pay. Two classes of drivers. Um, And this was a huge issue because some were making way less than the others and had less protections. This appears to be abolished, which is a huge, huge win. This was like one of the main things that they were fighting for over the past year. This is what Sean O'Brien, the president of the union, uh, was basically running on, you know, kick-ass contract UPS, leveraging that for Amazon organizing, which they are already starting. Um, We also are going to see air conditioning in new package cars. There's obviously some devil in the details there. Um, You know, we saw people die. Um, Yeah. And and we've also seen, you know, I've seen recently, like, just like different viral videos of UPS workers, you know, talking about solidarity and, and folks who are full time and also are, you know, on the upper tier of the two tier system, but who are like, no, I would go on strike because solidarity, because my fellow workers are getting underpaid and this is BS and it's making our entire industry more precarious. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, what is it's, it's so funny because, you know, the WGA and the SAG after strike are going on the AMPTP 
has refused to even come to the table with like a tentative agreement that they don't have a counteroffer there. Mm-hmm. We have this counteroffer now. I mean, it's not as many workers um, and arguably more money to be lost, but it's really interesting that like clearly, um, and I don't, I don't want to get into the like teamsters are more organized. I don't think that's what I'm saying, but I think it is interesting that, that UPS has um, come to the table. Well, it's about probably what they think, uh, Teddy, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's probably what they think uh, the value system is, right? We're still trying to prove value points here on on the side of the creatives. And if uh, the Teamsters strike, the world is dependent upon packages. (laughs) You understand? And they're dependent upon people who execute that. and And that has not become as automated and as you know, all these, oh, a drone can do this and do that. It still doesn't take right. place. Um, we have a major storm out here right now. I just saw two young women uh, delivering packages and bit, you know what I'm saying? So, and they out there in that rain. So they, we don't have that end on the, on, on, on the other end. It's like, well, we don't have, we don't need the actors. We don't need the writers. Mm-hmm. We can continue to do this without them. And so once, you know, there has been a dry spell of us being available and we mm-hmm. see what, um, you know, the public also has to get involved with us as well. Like when I hear UPS is going on strike, I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> no, they're not. Cause I, somebody better talk to somebody. I need stuff. Here's <laughs> <laughs> sure. that actors or writers are like, Oh, what are they complaining about? We don't need them. Yeah. Because you got marathons of like green acres that you can watch, but how long are you going to be able to watch that shit? No, mm-hmm. no. I mean, honestly, once, once the consumer boycott starts, if it does start for SAG, you know, and, and for the industry, like that's, that, that's different. And, or if for some reason, yeah, the, the trickle of streaming just stopped. If everything stopped, people would probably take to the streets, you know, to find out like stranger things has got to come back. Obviously (laughs) Um, people have, will will lose their minds, but, but this is, I mean, it's a good sign. I don't know if Teddy, if you wanted to, were they expecting, I mean, this is a win, right? They they want, they don't want to go on strike. Nobody really wants to go on strike. I think that, yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on how you ask. There are certainly some people out there um, of, uh, who believe that a strike would show this country, a strike of 340,000 workers, definitionally in every single zip code in the country, um, can show that when workers fight and when they strike, this leverage that a lot of, of us don't use, they win, right? Um, right. That said, these are people who who need this money. They have families, you know, no, a lot of, you know, they say nobody wants to strike. That's probably mostly accurate, you know. Uh, so this this was a really, really important uh, TA that we haven't fully seen. We've seen like the highlights from the Teamsters um, and there are significant gains, whether that's enough for the workers, that's up for the workers to decide. Sure. We're going to see. What do you I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting because it, there is an argument to be made that like you like you just did. Maybe a strike would be good, be good for, you know, I mean, if there is anything that they're missing there, they could just do a baby strike and let's see how much that costs UPS, you know, Um, and they'll come to the table even like they know they can get more out of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a question uh, for Teddy Francesca, if I could. Yeah, please. Um, I know one of the things that they do on our end in uh, in the Writers Guild and, and Actors Guild is they keep you stuck in a position so that they can't, uh, they don't have to pay you, right? 
Um, like instead of making you, you could be doing the same work as a principal actor, but they could keep you on a smaller scale so that they have, they can pay you that scale. It sounds like to me that they keep a lot of people in part-time um, mm -hmm. because it's more beneficial to keep them in part-time instead of letting them become full-time. Is there an, can you Absolutely. Add yeah. I mean, the story of UPS over the past decades, like, you know, part of the reason I, I, I wanted to do the upsurge with my co-producer, Ruby Walsh, um, is that there's so much history to this, the Teamsters, the economy, like there are just so many things to peel back. And just to that point, UPS is what it is today, the largest package courier in the world, because they had a two-tier system developed uh, back in the 80s um, before the two-tier of the drivers that was just uh, seemingly resolved in this TA, um, mm -hmm. where they split the pay of full-time and part-time workers. They started replacing full-timers with part-timers because mm -hmm. it was better for them schedule-wise. They could basically exploit them further. And that's why we saw over the 80s, huge explosion of UPS in the 90s, even more so to the point where people were fed up. They were scared to lose their full-time jobs. They were um, upset that they didn't get enough hours at times. And if they did get enough hours, they were making half the wages. So there's all these different ways that UPS has created tiers or divisions, tried to stoke divisions in the workforce. And they were a trailblazer for the rest of corporate America. This is a part of a, oh, yeah. a larger trend, right? This is corporate restructuring, whether it's outsourcing or moving factories down to the South where unions are, there's less union friendly, um, you know, uh, environment. This, uh, this is just what UPS does and they benefited from it. And in 1997, people were fed up, particularly with this part-time issue um, and they struck and they won. Uh, unfortunately, the, the Teamsters went back to sort of like this old guard leadership. And again, we saw exploitation of part-time workers, more of them, the introduction of new tiers, like the driver tier. So yeah, they totally right. like to cordon off people, you know, stoke division, try to divide the workforce, crack the union. This is what UPS is, and they're a leader on that front. And that just seems like such a basic labor issue that this country cannot fucking like legislate around, which is you need there has to be a cap on part-time work you know what i mean you you have to offer people full-time work if they can work full-time that's Absolutely. it like it's just it, it's just it seems like a basic labor law and protection that we don't have but i did want to ask about amazon because when we we mm -hmm. talked about teamsters i think with alex press a few months ago and we were talking about amazon and what this could mean for amazon delivery drivers well this is this is the golden ticket um, to bring and and for the teamsters to show the workers look what you can win with a union. Um, mm -hmm. Amazon drivers, they're right now they're you know eighty four of them uh, dispatchers and uh, delivery drivers are striking right now in Palmdale, California. They've taken these picket lines rolling across to several states. Um, basically to tell the company, look, like you need to recognize us. And it's very difficult for them because they're in a different situation than the UPS drivers, right? right. Um, UPS is kind of like a, like a unionized island in the logistics sector and Amazon is gunning for the top spot, um, except for they do this thing where uh, they have delivery service partners, uh, basically subcontractors who, mm. you know, hire all of their delivery drivers. So they're not technically employees. And that means that they don't get all these protections. It also mm. makes it harder to unionize, which is the fight going on right now. Um, totally. But even the warehouse workers, they're severely exploited, which is why it was so important 
for the part-timers who are mostly warehouse workers to win big in this contract. So the Teamsters can say, look, if you unionize, if you fight, this is what you can win. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the stakes are unionizing Amazon or deterioration of the working class, because that's what Amazon really is to all of us, including Absolutely. actors, um, writers, and everyone in the entertainment Podcasters. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, you and me. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we, exactly. <laughs> No, we and we because Palmdale worker Amazon drivers they have affiliated with the Teamsters, correct? Yes, they have local three ninety six. They that's are incredible. Teamsters now. Um, now that's the, great. The, the Amazon hasn't recognized them, and that's sort oh, of right. Of course, this, not. this yeah. issue right now they want to make sure that they could be classified as a joint employer, meaning that Amazon does in fact control their work, which they do, um, and therefore they have to bargain. They have to come to the bargaining table, not just this DSP. Um, which is battle-tested strategies, which they signed a contract. They, they got $30 an hour. But the question is, can they actually get that? Because Amazon controls everything um, right. that, you know, besides maybe like ownership of these cars that they use. So it's, yeah, a, it's a mess. Which is its but, own like ridiculous pyramid scheme with the, the owners of the trucks and the tr- different trucking companies and subcontracted companies who get screwed over. There's been a lot of reporting also about that and how, how ruinous it is for the, it's not profitable for them. They're being the middleman in the Amazon case, but yeah. Amazon's model is basically just like, you know, undercut prices, make sure you can kick everyone out, become a monopoly. And that's when, of course, you can start raising prices. You know, FedEx does this too. They all have, all of their drivers or most of their drivers, subcontractors. What does that mean? These workers are exploited even more. Yeah. Before we let you go, tell me about like how the media has been, covering or not covering i mean we like there has been kind of this radio silence around like the sat like actors and writers you don't see like you see interviews yeah Monica, like of, of with writers and actors on the streets but nobody like in no one's rolling out like a interview with matt damon in studio and it's like <laughs> Yeah, I wonder why, because it's the same studio, you know? Yeah. But uh, so what about what about UPS? How how's the media been covering this or not? Man, there's a lot of media problems uh, with how UPS has been covered. It's basically anything that's in the supply chain area, like anything that really can draw, you know, grind this economy to a halt, which UPS can't. UPS workers, right. 6% of, uh, you know, the uh, GDP transported by UPS. We saw with the rail workers last year. Um, in the lead up to a potential strike, we got media sounding the alarms. Most of the most of them saying, "We have this huge thing coming. Be careful! Like this is what you need to do with your packages. This is how you can prepare. All the economic damage is coming." Instead of, "Wow, look at these 340,000 workers who are fighting for the working class. You know who mm-hmm. are who. If they win this brilliant contract with a credible strike threat, then this is going to you know change people's lives way beyond even this enormous workforce." So it's really, it's framing us. The media has really been framing us as consumers, which, you know, we are. And, you know, as we were saying before, like it, it would kind of not be great to get our packages late. Um, but what also would not be great is if the UPS exploits these workers and all of our standards fall. That is a way higher cost than this potential billions and billions of dollars that uh, yeah. would be lost. Uh, you know, there's, there's just, the impact is immense. Uh, so 
Well, there's no one on television truly arguing from the point of view of working people, you know, who's exactly. like, what will this mean for my family? It's like, no, no, you're fine. <laughs> the, the media um, wants yeah. to the media wants to like do our work for us and, and define us as the consumers. Um, yes. When in reality, yeah. most of us are workers, you know, and so if you identify as a consumer in this particular situation, you know, that you can be a consumer uh, rights act advocate, and that's very important. But in this situation, if you're a consumer or you're a worker, it's the, that's the question of which side are you on? And if you're, yeah. and if, you know, when your packages stop, are you pissed off uh, as a consumer and therefore at the workers, or are you pissed off because you're a worker and you're pissed off at the company? Um, and that's the question in the media, mainstream media generally is not helping. I think it's better um, in recent years. We have more labor reporters. We have shows like this. Um, yes. So there's better coverage. But no, and definitely, I mean, mainstream news is all like, yeah, they are grooming us to be little happy capitalists mm -hmm. and uh, former future billionaires, although never going to happen. And yeah, it's always like, how does this affect you and all the BS that you bought, which totally, I mean, like, I'm like, I am a new mom. I need mm -hmm. my packages. Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. my sippy cups with the long straws. Da, 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 you're like, but you know, it's, uh, at this point, mom, I get it. I've got my cats on all kinds of pills. Exactly. Pills. I mean, he just doing his little, you know, he, come here. <laughs> we need to see, we need to check out how this cat is doing. He needs I'm, UPS packages. Oh, baby. Oh. Thyroid pills. What oh, but also yeah, they have to keep coming. Also needs a parent who can pay the pay those bills and get yes. and pay for those packages. You know, I, it's actually what's been amazing to me, like just um, seeing the SAG and, and WGA and entertainment strikes is like we often cordon off entertainment workers in like this position where we don't even think of them as workers. They're doing labors of love or like they're celebrities or whatever. Sure. But or it's yeah. Just it's all for the prestige. Hearing people talk like folks who like, uh, I believe there's that guy, Alex O'Keefe, who like was on food stamps and he, but even though wrote like a hit television show. That's everyone. That's everyone. It's and everybody. That's, it's the, the, with, with the actors and the writers, it's like, um, people think we are in a luxury career, right? Mm -hmm. You chose this luxury, you because you could just get out here and do this other thing. They don't respect that there are people who have creative, um, and that create creative creatives should also be respected. And it's and it's a gift. It's a, you know. So um, it, there. Listen, we. I just won a WGA award. Congrats. I, and I'm not. <laughs> So, you know, like I loved working on Inside Amy Schumer. I love being with those people. We we worked hard to bring such great, but it was like, yeah, the year we win, okay, now everybody going on strike. So sometimes you don't want the prestige because it's like, right. I would like to mm -hmm. just skip past all of this. But at the end of the day, when we talk about at the top of the pandemic, when we were struggling the most, there's a certain amount of money you have to make to get insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then it was cutting people off that didn't have that amount just out of nowhere, telling us yep. Cobra would be an option. I, I'm blessed that I had enough money to stay into making the, you know, the insurance. Who knows what's going to happen for all of us next year because we don't have the mm -hmm. work that we're doing. So uh, yeah. Cobra is this, not an option. Cobra is Cobra's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. It's very expensive. It's adequately it's named. Yeah. Because it's a venomous piece of shit. Yeah. But I mean, all of this though, it's like, you know, I am very excited for a potential strike. Uh, I do hope that they, <laughs> I hope they pull the trigger. I hope they do. Vote it down. It. Yeah. I hope they vote it down. 
Um, but I also more broadly hope that these like hot labor summers and everything starts to turn into some real mm -hmm. agenda points for what we need in this country, which are, for example, universal health care mm -hmm. for the love of fucking God. Absolutely. So we don't have to, it's not piecemeal like this. And it's also like, it should not ultimately be the union's job. The union should be at, like advocating to make mm -hmm. sure healthcare is good. But, you know, what are we doing here in this country anymore? Because um, that's, it's, anyway, yeah. And the money's it's, there. That's the thing. Absolutely. It's not like people are bleeding. You know, it's not like you're bleeding them dry. The money's there. And what it is, yes. is these people at the top, they want to buy, they, when you watch these shows where they, you know, back in the day when VH1 used to do these opulent shows about who has the most this, the most that, and then, you know, there's like all these billionaires competing to see who's got the longest yacht, who's got the access to it. So it's just like the money's there. They got it. Yep. They have it. They're not going to suffer for, for sharing with other people at all. It's not even going to make a dent for them. Yeah, that's like, I think that's a huge point, Yamanika. They're all pleading poverty. UPS is saying power package volumes are going to go down. The AMPTP is like, we're, you know, this is going to harm us. And it's like, what about like the people who create your wealth? Um, yes, you yeah. know, what about what happened to labor creates all wealth, you know? So yeah. it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So I think people are wa waking up to it though. And, and what you said, Francesca, like, it's like the key thing here is can these wins be parlayed into new organizing and can it be parlayed into other broader gains for working people? And hope that's what will make this not a blip, but an upward trend. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot more people on strike this year than we have in a while. You know, we're on track to reach like 80s level strike activity, which isn't particularly mm -hmm. like the most strikes we've ever seen. But the difference, right? Um, Barry Idlin, a sociologist, I was talking about with this. In the 80s, there was, you know, in 70s, lots of, lots of strikes, but they were defensive. Right now, we're mm -hmm. seeing a smaller upsurge but potentially in an upward trajectory. So hopefully that's the case, you know, and yeah. I, I share that same desire of kind of want to see what, what the, what the workers can achieve when they flex their muscles. Absolutely. And, and if the Teamsters can, can lead us uh, along with Ron Perlman, we'll be fine. <laughs> uh, that was an awesome I truly, video. <laughs> it was an awesome video. And I do feel like, you know, it is important to have, you know, a lot of leftists will just take to Twitter and be like, general strike, general strike. And it's like, okay, let's, let's first do some non-general strikes. And then, you know, uh, the podcasters will strike, but not today. Cause uh, you know, here we are. So thank you so much, Teddy, for being on everybody. Check out Upsurge podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, anything else we should know, Teddy, where, where can we follow you? Uh, Check us out at 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight, live stream uh, with Maximilian Alvarez, the real news in these times and the upsurge. Nice. Uh, we're bringing on four Teamsters, and boy, we did not necessarily expect to have the TA today, so it might get a little spicy. It'll be fun. Well, you know, unscripted, let's go. So tune in. And thank That's you. That's on Real News Network? Yes, The Real. You can check it out on YouTube, The Real News Network. Uh, thanks for bringing me on, and Yamanika, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Teddy. Thank you so much. And we have one more segment. One more awesome. final. I just want to say that, Francesca. He was so awesome. Please. And this is the type of spirit you need also fighting for you. People who are, you know, can uh, have perspective and empathy and sympathy. So that was just one. And also he's in my hometown right now. So good luck to him. <laughs> oh, Baltimore? Baltimore, honey. He better hope he get out of there without getting robbed. <laughs> 
you gotta do my husband's podcast about the wire here's your yeah, watch that's like my family the wire that's <laughs> <laughs> all right well we have one more segment did you see either barbie or oppenheimer this weekend now you know good and well i didn't <laughs> i didn't either mm-hmm. and i'm a little pissed at barbie because apparently the the conceit is kind of similar to like my stand-up bit about barbie and how like she needs to atone before she can be all woke and chill. Um, well, my so bit too about the, the Ken being a bum. That's what I found. They've been watching our sets, girl. I'm like, oh, they got bar. All of a sudden, they got Barbie. Oh, did I write this script for them? Come, French. You have a bit about Ken being a bum. I said, are you kidding me? Barbie's the most spectacular woman in the world. We've all been trained to be like her as a woman, and all she has done is settle for a bum nigga. You can do that job. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby had six thousand jobs. She was everywhere. She was a pilot, flight attendant. She was a pharmacist to taxidermy. She worked at the Beyonce a couple days. Stylist, veterinarian, race car driver, president of the United States, vice president, and then she get Kim Kid ain't got no job. Bum, no way. <laughs> Just in the package, looking like a bum. She had to take him out the package, take him to the mall she built, buy him an outfit, get him a car. For what? He ain't going to wear. No, wait. Okay, so yeah. I feel like we've been scooped a little bit. Yeah, like there's a lot, scooped. been a lot of... Girl, please. We need to strike them. Me and Francesca about to strike the Barbie franchise. We're striking Barbie movie. <laughs> We're striking it. Uh, okay, so instead, I'm asking what's our... If we were to do a film about a toy that we liked... Or just so you want to see a movie about. Mm-hmm. And also a war crime, if anything comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, dropping the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our sequels. Okay, I will go first on the toy. Okay. Because, obviously, a cartoon version of the Garbage Pail Kids <gasps> would be Girl, are we the same age? What do you kids yeah i'm like almost 40 girl <laughs> 12. i know right i wish um <laughs> you know I can't, I can't do tiktok i'm old uh no garbage pail kids mm-hmm. Gar- you know do you there, there was some really gross ones like there was one where a dude had like a ski he was i think he was on a Something where an entire post was in his mouth and like went through him. Oh my god! It was disgusting. Yes, they were gr- they were gross, but we they were disgusting. In fact, there is a guy named Adam Bomb who's is like eighty a.m. and his head is an Adam Bomb. Uh, there's a guy named Russ Puss. He's just squeezing a pimple into yeah. a bowl. Yeah, that'd be disgusting. Um, let's see. <laughs> Oh God! There's acne, wow. acne, Amy. I mean, this is like the pre pre Ren and Stimpy type, you know. How do sunburn Bernie? How did we make it? We we had the most toxic childhood of, of ever. I know, and and also we like as a new mom, I'm just like we cried so much in our cribs. Nobody knew we were crying. No, nobody. No, nobody. We cared. we just Mm-mm. we just like hours. And my mom's like, "You never cried as a, as a kid." I'm like, "No, no, no. You never heard me." Right. I was crying. I screamed. Mm-hmm. You just had no monitors. You were just like, Meh. they didn't care. I was writing a manifesto in my crib. <laughs> Whoever finds this message. Anyway, Garbage Pail Kids would be disgusting, and I feel like people would like it, and I feel like it's the kind of, like, crass, crude awfulness that it wouldn't – it's not a blockbuster because it's not really kid – it is going to be PG-13, if not R. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's what I think we should we should get a movie about. 
I think Jonah Hill should be in it. Mm. Obviously, the star. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, what favorite toys that you want to? Hot Wheels might get a movie apparently, or is getting a movie. It should. Um. Yeah, Hot Wheels is very popular. I had a Hot Wheel. Hot yeah. What did? What did I have that I, I had a? Did you remember this is old? What? Did you have like a Teddy Ruxpin? Do you remember no, that? Please. That you. I thought you was really gonna say old oh, Teddy Ruxpin. Now, my grandmother made me get rid of him because she thought the devil was inside him. <laughs> yeah, my grandmother going to have nothing in the house. Look like he talking on his own and he didn't need to be. Yeah, she put him right outside and rebuked him in the name of She was like, it talks and it requires double D batteries, which are like a million dollars. So, no. I couldn't do that. I couldn't watch the Care Bears either because they had them little puff magic things come out of their stomach that my grandmother thought was witchcraft. Well, my childhood, when my grandmother ruined my childhood, I couldn't watch the Smurfs. There was only one girl. She's trying to figure out, well, who, who, why is only one girl? What's going on with her? With all these men? So oh, she was like, canceled. Canceled, done. I like how, you, yeah, your grandmother was like canceling cartoons. And yet you still emerged with your own version of your own religion and Christianity. Mm-hmm. But that seems like very healthy. Like you were able to get past that. Um, and what were you allowed to have? And or what, what do you want to see? Like what cartoon you want to see come to life? I was a big gym fan. Yes, I, I thought you were gonna say that. But I'm gonna tell you, oh. I love the holograms more than I love Jen. You know what I'm saying? I was of outside. Of course, they're the bad girls. You like? Well, we like the bad girls. Yeah, I love the holograms. Um, Jim was Jim was amazing. Nobody ever remembers the the shirt tails. Now that's old school. Shark tails. The shirt tails. The shirt tails were these little animals that lived in a um, treehouse in the zoo, and they had little shirts on. Nobody remembers the thing. But I listen. Give me a shirt tail, Furby. Mm-mm. I can't stand him. Wait, shirt. T- th- this looks like some old. Oh, you saw is... You found him? No, yeah, nineteen eighty-two. Shirt tails. That was my cartoon. I love them. They didn't. Get they're very. Play. They're very cute. They didn't get a new play. They got rid they... I think Yogi the Bear uh, moved them to the side. <laughs> you know, you can't watch too many shows with animals in a treehouse and a white man as a ranger. So you know. Right, of course. How many? Okay, so if Jem became a, a film, who would play the misfits? Like who's who, who's the you know the girl with the green hair, mm-hmm. and then there's a the black girl with the purple hair. Yeah. Like who do you want to play them? Well, you know they definitely gonna make the the the, the holograms people of color. Oh yes. But somehow they lead is still some white girl. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I know that was always like what? Wait, yeah. Um, you know I don't listen. I don't know. It's so yeah, wait, we'll figure it out. There's so many girls that could do it. I know I I want to be in there just dancing around in the background. <laughs> I love Jem. Um, so what about a war crime? Um, or are we just doing it the same? Like it's the same movie, and it's about your childhood, and the war crime is your grandma taking away all your cartoons. Um, yeah, I mean, ba- like, like basically, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> War crime. There was so much stuff going on during our time that we also ignored. I think we're in a time now where people are really paying attention to, you know, uh, was I just saw a, a horrific story. It just upset me so much. Uh, there was a, just an honor killing uh, recently uh, in India. A young lady, 22 years old, but beheaded by her brother because they married. She married this guy that they didn't want. To, and I was just like, who is he to be putting his hands? I want to behead that guy so bad. So it's like I I want to do I want to see movies where women are really taking their power where people who are disenfranchised are taking their power 
But it's yes. very hard in this world because across the, the the globe, people have really bought into the idea of of whiteness. So many movies have been whitewashed, El Postino, Water for Chocolate. And you go watch the original version, you're like, well, this was way better than what we restructured. So it's hard to say um, when we can really I mean, I think stories that are equal, then yeah. we can have a better time with this. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about, you know, stories about evil people, I mean, Oppenheimer's not necessarily evil. I think that's the, the, the crux of this movie is about all of his moral misgivings about the thing that he invented and created and mm -hmm. and yeah was used uh to kill millions of people um and i think that's what's so fascinating about this but i do feel like you know you know i did see vice for the first time uh you know the adam mckay film about dick cheney and i i really resisted because what i hate when what i hate about when like horrible people are portrayed is there's a little bit of they're still the protagonist. There's a little bit of like fascination and again, protagonist energy. We like this person. We have empathy for this person. Like there have been a couple of, you know, what's that Bush one where it's just like, mm -hmm. he sees just sort of a, like a lovable idiot and it all serves to humanize, I think, monsters. So I think that's a really, you know, I will just say not a war crime, but for sure, um, you know, Daniel Ellsberg, who just passed away, um, who re released the Pentagon Papers. We need to see that um, you know, dramatized in a way that maybe I haven't seen. Maybe it exists and you're like, for Jessica, you haven't seen Big Dick And like, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Um, I know that I think, um, oh God, what's who's the West Wing guy? I'm I'm blanking on his name. But uh there was like a there was like a the trial of the trial the the Chicago trial or whatever. Um, and that movie came out. I don't know. I'm I'm doing a terrible job. I'm no, you terrible. I'm having so much funny. Francesca, you're one of my favorite people now. You're so like incredible. Like, you know, I'm feeling well. I didn't want to come in and have zero energy. I'm in between entrees. You just lift my spirit. You're so great. I Thank you really, so much. Oh, I really do. And I like I like how informative you are. It just people are foolish if this show doesn't blow up and your audience needs to be blowing you up and yes they are yeah they i mean the the, the audience that is there is absolutely blowing me up and i appreciate y'all and especially coffee cup with a nervous who says aaron sorkin yeah it was an aaron sorkin yeah. uh film and it was okay but i definitely want like something about daniel ellsberg i do like without humanizing him i think mm -hmm. a movie about how uh, like bashar al-assad and the syrian civil war would be fascinating um and I don't want to make this any darker, but like it would be, yeah, there that would that's a massive war crime right there, the Syrian civil war. But um, I want to see a, a full blown Mighty Python version of January 6th with the Benny Hill. That's got to be the opening credit because my God in heaven, what is happening? I want to direct it, I want to be a part of it. Like it's, do you think, but like it's so funny because. Trump always talks about like, oh, that person from central casting. Mm. But has there ever been a person who was more surrounded by the most bizarre seeming extra ass weirdo central casting fools than Donald Trump and the deliver. people who stormed the Capitol? Yeah. No, they can't. You can't make that up. What, you know what's so funny is if we across the board, 
uh, uh, white, black, everything in between. If we really took this on what, you know, we get divided because of race and racism and there, has, there being a hierarchy there, but it really becomes about class. It becomes about the power elite and money because yes. all of these low rent, low brow hillbillies who ain't making it that support Donald Trump, who is a man that if he was in their presence, he wouldn't even let them walk into their his house. I think that they are aligning themselves with him because he represents uh, a, a white person like them that says, speaks his mind and they want to go back to that, but they will never have that level of access because on top of racism, there is a hierarchy in class um, and, 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 you know, social standing financially that these people are fighting for that they're never going to have access to. Yeah. It's it's the dumb man. Racism is the dumb man. Socialism. I mean, it, it basically is it's offering. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think they're all working class. Like I, I've talked about that a lot, that like a lot of the people who stormed the Capitol were were middle class. They had businesses. They and they shut them. Yeah, they shuttered them in the middle of the week to go to on a trip to D.C. They had the money to fly into D.C. But let's put that aside and just say that's I mean, the last gasp of racism and white people holding on to it is because uh, that's how they feel in control when they have been so disempowered by corporations, you know, by whatever deindustrialization, by their politicians, by these idiots that they're like, well, at least if I'm better than oh, yeah. this person, this person, yeah. and this person. And I then think I'm okay. they flew in, to be honest with you, because I, I do material about that January 6th. Everybody acting like they don't know what's happening. Anytime white people doing stuff, everybody's like, oh, what happened? Where'd he come from? They was all caravanning down I-95 and damn uh, 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 Ford trucks stopping at Wawa every 45 minutes to get gas and beef jerky. Their grandmother was tied to the hood of their car in a wicker chair. She was smoking a pipe. They, they knew where these people were coming from. They saw them. They didn't just yes. appear. But we, yes. we also don't want to, the the if, you know, for the amount of violence that uh, is put on uh, my people uh, <laughs> and the way we have seen so much terrorism come from the other side, and we don't acknowledge it again. That's why I said I don't blame these people. They're living in a world that's not going to check them. They're living in a world where they're able to do whatever they want. And as long as they can live in that world and not be checked, you are going to constantly find circumstances like that. So good that people are trying to push up on the RICO charges. I was very surprised that anybody said anything when it came to Trump. I was shocked because they're really trying to hold him accountable. Yeah. And poor George Bush Jr. He was a fool. He was a dummy that could barely read. You understand? And he got into a position because he was a puppet. Yeah, there is some humanity in him. He is a fool that is being played. You know, at the the same time, you know, it's unfortunate. He has such an attraction to uh, Michelle Obama. He couldn't help himself. Every time you see him with Michelle Obama, he's somewhere holding up underneath her like he's some uh, foster child. So he's also had to be, you know, like you can't, he can't give it to his desires. All he wants to do is touch the skin and smell the skin of Michelle Obama. He's like, dang it, every time, or like a pest, a pesky mosquito. And poor Michelle Obama, she's like, she's just like, you know what, Obama, let me just, you know, let me talk to him for a second because he got such a crush on me. Let me just deal with him and then we'll never see him for another four years. Okay, so we're doing January 6th and we're doing it with the Benny Hill theme. Yes. And I'm very excited to see who plays piano key uh, scarf lady and all the <laughs> and the all black, of the, the other black security guard that's going to be played by Anthony Anderson. That's that they running around like a maze piece in in damn Hunger Games. <laughs> Crazy. Oh my god. Oh my god. What I, I just anyway. 
I'm very excited for the Hollywood rendition when the strike is over and the AMPTP come to their goddamn senses. Um, or we're going to have to make them. So everybody join a picket line. Everybody, uh, you know, put on a hat and some sunscreen and get your asses out there. I've been trying to bring the baby and figuring out when a good time when it's not like 97 degrees. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Monika, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for where can people? Me. Where can people find you, follow you, see you live? You can everything at Yamanika, everywhere. You can follow me at Yamanika. You know, if you want to get in contact with me and see my shows and stuff like that. But I cannot leave here without saying, Francesca, this was an amazing time. I did not feel good. I had zero <laughs> energy here. I had no idea how I was going to make it. But your presence, uh, you know, everything you've got going on behind the scenes, the young lady behind the scenes, so sweet. I, I'm so glad to see you doing it and more power to you. And anytime Thanks you so much. come back, you call me and I'll come right here. I would, oh, I will take you up on that. Um, thank you so much. That young lady is Paige and she is wonderful. Yamani, everybody follow Yamanika, Y-A-M-A-N-E-I-K-A. <laughs> um, you're great. And yeah. thanks so much. Take care. And thank you guys for being here, for sticking around, for all your super chats, for your love, for your contributions to the chat. Um, Mean Streets writes on YouTube, Trump was asked about his favorite line of scripture. He delivered a word salad for a while and finally tried to recall an eye for an eye. It's just, I mean, can, we've done a mashup at this point. Is there a mashup of all of the times he's just utterly, like, whiffed this answer? Dank Prol says, should we also teach about petty crime committed by the Jews during the Holocaust? I mean, honest, that's, that is a wonderful uh analogy that is exactly right it's like well in the ghettos jews stole from each other um mr anderson thank you so much for becoming a member on youtube that allows you to watch back all of the bonus episodes we've ever done bonus episodes every friday 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern generally much lighter much more fun even though we have a lot of fun on tuesdays dances with gerbils thank you so much for your super chat um, start in park racing on Twitch. I'm so glad the full timers were looking out for the part timers. That's about UPS. Thank you. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Gatling combo. The fact they haven't had any air conditioning in those cars is ridiculous. I know they're, they're, they're see-through. I think that was, it's like the, the logic of like the subway system in New York where it was like, well, the air will be pushed around by the cars. Like, no, no, that's not how it works ever. Um, Dr. Doom on YouTube, UPS is a great company because of the Teamsters. Amen. And public domain should get Benny's no matter the hours is true in terms of the WGA. I agree. Thing is, is I don't think that the WGA would be able to even, or that SAG-AFTRA would be even be, be able to survive, um, enabling, like getting healthcare. Healthcare is expensive. It is. Um, and that's, it is via the union that actors and writers are getting their healthcare. It's not via the, the private, these private companies. So it's about the contributions. Um, any hoodle, uh, groove dragon on YouTube, solidary forever, united, we rise upsurge, take the power back. Yes. Marshall ghetto. Uh, Hey, what's up? How are you? Marshall came to see me live recently. Uh, says that cat had thoughts. Oh, it did. It absolutely did. Um, Dory B telling me, uh, need mods to bounce trolls. I know we need mods. We don't have mods. Anybody want to be a mod? Y'all want to be a mod so we can get the trolls out of here. I'm, we did have a mod for a little bit and then we no mod no more. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you all so much. I'm going to thank everybody else with, you know what time it is. 
we've got some new patrons to thank as well. $10 as a patron gets you a lovely shout out in the fart song. Thank you to patrons at 10 bucks or more. Matt Caswell, bienvenidos. I think I might have shouted you out last week, but that's okay. And NF, thank you so much for becoming a patron. And thanks all the patrons at $5. You are wonderful. Up your pledge and you get that shout out. Um, also wanted to thank people over on Twitch. Thank you to Marshall Ghetto for cheering 100 bits. Um, so, uh, and also for gifting a two uh, tier one subs and resubscribing. Crushing it. Thank you to Pipe for turning 200 bits. Gorilla Grod 666 for subscribing at one month, tier one. Kazanthia, thank you for subscribing. Um, and XZX227, hey for Jessica, sorry I have not subbed in a while. I had some hospital bills to take care of. Medicare for all, please. Would you mind quickly addressing TYT drama around Benny? And, ah. Um, thank you so much for resubscribing. I'm sorry about the hospital bills. F that. I have addressed the 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 BS around um, what I believe has been transphobic comments by some of the TYT hosts. Uh, I did discuss that uh, two episodes ago on the main show on the Bituation Room, but then I also, in our bonus episode, went into it more in depth. You all know where I stand. Uh, I believe that obsessing about trans athletes is the biggest miss in a very long time, and it is transphobic. And uh, trans liberation is all, all our liberation. And with that, thank you to Paige Omek. Thank you to Maximilian Inhoff. Thank you to Andy Vasoyan. And thank you to you all. We'll see you on Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And the following Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on all the things at Bituation Pod. Um, TikTok and Instagram have their own Bituation Pod handle now. Uh, Bituation Room handle, excuse me. So follow us there. And uh, I will... Um, See you later. Fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy. Don't just bitch about it. Be about it.